And fear is fear, regardless of what the thing is that you're fearful of. And limits tend to be uh, you know, roadblocks on the other side of fear. The psychology is the same, regardless of what that fearful thing is. You know, whether it's being tasked to create a brand new innovative product at a company or give a presentation or walk across a crevasse. In our brain, it's interpreted literally with the exact same neurochemical. You're listening to Lead Through Values, where America's Chief Culture Officer, James Mayhew, helps you create a high-performance workplace by building strong leaders, enhancing communication, and accelerating productivity. And now, here's your host, James Mayhew. Hey team, welcome back to Lead Through Values. This is James, and on this podcast, I love to talk with you about how to create high-performance workplaces. We do that by focusing on three key areas, improving how teams communicate and work together, how to develop a strong leadership pipeline with confident leaders who are ready to lead on day one, and how to intentionally build a culture that attracts, develops, and holds on to great people. On today's episode, I have a very fascinating person that I'm really pumped to introduce to you. And one of my favorite things about this medium, doing podcasts, is the opportunity to meet ultra high performers. And I think of that person as somebody who thinks not, you know, they don't think with limits and they don't live with limits. And that's exactly who today's guest is. Marshall Mosier, Uh, a 2015 graduate of the University of Georgia. Marshall completed a triple major in biology, psychology, and economics, along with a master's in public health administration. After graduation, Marshall participated in a summer at NASA and Google at the Silicon Valley Technology Incubator Singularity University in their annual global startup program, where he worked on building adaptive virtual reality environments triggered by heart rate variability. Following his work at Singularity, Marshall combined his passions for public health and action sports with the founding of Vestigo. With clients like CNN, Peloton, and Microsoft, Vestigo utilizes the mental performance enhancing power of action sports to create real and virtual reality-based experiences that train teams to embrace adaptability, foster a mindset of innovation, and overcome our biological desire for stability and comfort. Marshall is an avid action sport polyathlete with multiple world-first initiatives, constantly seeking to challenge his own limits as a class five whitewater paddler, paraglider pilot, mountain biker, snowboarder, kiteboarder, scuba diver, caver, climber, and jet suit pilot with Gravity Industries. Marshall, wow, like welcome to Lead Through Values. That is an impressive resume, and yet you're just getting started. Just be, even before we start here, you're, you told me yesterday you'll be doing some paragliding right after this. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so we're, uh, I'm here in Costa Rica with a few other entrepreneurs who are all working remotely. And uh, there's a really awesome paragliding site that's about 45 minutes from us that I wanted to check out for a while. So today's the day where the weather works out and uh, weekend so we can finally take some time to go have fun. This is uh, really impressive. Just reading all of those adventure things that you love to do, just can you put your finger on like what's your favorite? Oh man, it's a tough, um, tough choice. <laughs> you know, I really, it really just depends on the location of, of where I am. Um, but uh, definitely, paragliding is, um, uh, is 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 up there for sure. I assume it has to just literally feel like you're flying like a superhero. Yeah, well, it's, it's really the closest to, um, you know, uh, just the, the purest form of flight you can get. So when whenever you're, 
uh, you know, looking up in the sky and you see uh, a hawk or, or a bunch of, you know, large birds and their wings are, are out, uh, but they're not flapping and they seem to be just hovering up in the air uh, without flapping their wings. Uh, we can do the exact same thing. A paraglider um, uh, you know, kind of mimics that and rides the updrafts of air called thermals. Uh, and you can stay in the sky for hours at a time uh, with, with absolutely no motors. So it's really the f one of the freest um, kind of purest forms of flight and kind of the freedom that flight represents. You've got a very, very intriguing company that you've started. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what that is and how it got started and, and just in your own words, describe what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So um, just like you were, you were talking about before, uh, I'm a huge believer in the power of experiential learning, especially to help people learn uh, how to push through perceived limits. So of course, we all have uh, limits that we put in place um, that are you know, usually a belief system of whether we can or can't do something. Sometimes they're accurate, oftentimes they're not. Uh, and challenge-based experiences uh, can oftentimes show us that those limits are actually far greater than what we think they are. So. Uh, personally, I love using action sports as the catalyst to help people push through limits. And uh, through Vestigo, um, we've recreated some adventure environments in virtual reality to help teams get us out of their comfort zone, challenge their limits, and push through those limits together as a team in a way that hopefully builds a mindset of possibility when it comes to all different themes in the um, you know, team leadership development process, whether it's um, you know, the innovation process, uh, you know, communicating in a pressure environment, um, all kinds of um, facets of high-performing teams generally start with the psychology of how to push through limits and, and deal with challenges. So think of it almost like a digital ropes course opportunity for teams to challenge themselves, get outside of their comfort zone, and experientially learn a lot of the key themes that we talk about on the leadership development front. It's, it sounds like what you're trying to do is recreate, obviously, those pressure, those, those like dangerous kind of moments, but you're doing it within the safety of, of you know, a, a warehouse or something like that, a, a big room. Um, what is it? Can you describe for our listeners and, and even me, too? I'm fascinated by what are some of the places that you actually are replicating through VR? Yeah, so all different types of places that actually exist in the world but are, are spots that uh, you might see on National Geographic but likely never get the chance to visit yourself. So for instance, one of our more popular ones, one of the first that we recreated, uh, was a few different parts of the Mount Everest experience. So uh, Everest, of course, starts with Base Camp. That's one of the most famous mountaineering camps in the world, Everest being the tallest mountain in the world. Uh, the trek to Base Camp is... is um, uh, like a really uh, just well-known spot. So we recreated base camp as our sort of lobby environment for everyone. To, as soon as they put on the headset, they're teleported into base camp. Everyone can hang out in base camp, throw virtual snowballs at each other, go explore, walk around <laughs> tents. But then also we put this giant projector screen on the side of base camp with Mount Everest in the background. And we kick off the experience with a virtual recreation, an avatar of an actual Everest mountaineer who gives a keynote speech in the same way they would at a conference on stage, but instead of in a conference room and instead of on stage, they're standing on the giant rock that says Everest Base Camp, which is actually in Base Camp, with their screen behind them, giving their keynote, inspiring the group and the team to start thinking through the themes we're gonna talk about experientially. And then once the keynote is done, everyone's inspired, instead of just leaving the conference, everyone gets teleported into the Kumbu Icefall. 
Kumbuwais Fall is the very first step in climbing Mount Everest. It's this giant glacier, and in order to get across the glacier, there's these big cracks in the ice called crevasses. You have to walk across these ladders that span the crevasse, which is in real life the first step in climbing Everest and one of the most dangerous steps in climbing Everest. So experientially, the team gets the chance to cross these crevasses. And physically, what that, what that looks like, if, if you were watching someone in virtual reality, they would have the headset on, they'd be in their living room or their office, and they would be freaking out walking across their living room floor. And you'd be like, why are they so scared to walk across their living room floor? Surely they must have done that probably a billion times in their lifetime. Uh, but in virtual reality, that person feels like they are on this ladder, crossing this crevasse. And if they fall, they're going to fall into a 200-foot pit of darkness and ice and never come out. And it actually tricks your brain into thinking that. So it's a great opportunity for teams to not just hear the inspiration of the mindset needed to do something like climb Everest from this amazing speaker, but actually put that into practice literally in the same way, in the same place that that speaker was just talking about moments before. And they get to feel the emotions that are tied to that experience, which creates a much more powerful um, and memorable learning environment. So what, what are some of those emotions that, that we're going to experience? If I was to do this, I would, obviously fear is one of them, but, but what, are, what are some of the other ones? I mean, exuberance or like, um, like overcoming things and confidence. I mean, can you walk me through that? For sure. Yeah. So a good way to describe it is actually um, with the number one fear in the world, public speaking. So fear of heights is actually number two, <laughs> but public speaking is number one. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate to giving a presentation, like really high stakes presentation in some type of work setting. Uh, you're about to walk into a bunch of people that, you know, a room, you're about to walk into a room with a bunch of people that you really look up to or respect, give a presentation on something, some type of public speaking. You're probably absolutely terrified going into it. And then at the end of it, you've overcome that situation. You've delivered this thing you worked really hard on and you feel this sense of uh, just empowerment that, you know, like I can do this. That wasn't that bad. Um, you know, I was able to push through that. Well, any type of overcoming fear creates that type of empowerment feeling on the other side. Um, and fear is fear regardless of what the thing is that you're fearful of. And limits tend to be uh, you know, roadblocks on the other side of fear. The psychology is the same regardless of what that fearful thing is. You know, whether it's being tasked to create a brand new innovative product at a company or give a presentation or walk across a crevasse. In our brain, it's interpreted literally with the exact same neurochemical. Um, and by overcoming that, we're training our brain, just like we train our muscles at a gym, to be more adapt to overcoming challenge and pushing through fear. So it can directly translate into any other roadblocks and obstacles that we have um, in other fear-based situations in the office. Yeah. Oh, man, it just sounds amazing. I, I'm sitting here thinking about times in my life when uh, I've, I've, I've had that fear moment, right? And it could have been because I had to have a hard conversation or there was something that I was tasked to do in the business world that scared me. Like I didn't know how to start. I didn't know if I could be successful at it. Sometimes what manifests are, are, you know, bad things, right? So it could be procrastination, delaying something um, by filling my day with busy work. So I could leave the day feeling like, you know, I shuffled the papers, I did some stuff, but I didn't take meaningful steps toward getting to something productive done on the big thing. How do we overcome that stuff? Yeah, for sure. So a lot of it is, um, 
uh, you know, a mental challenge. It's usually all in here. So reframing the obstacle as an opportunity for growth instead of uh, a roadblock that's you know, meant to stop us. Um, so mental reframing, um, oftentimes some type of experiential uh, way to practice that is really helpful. Um, but uh, trying to realize what the actual challenge is uh, and what the actual fear is and get kind of the root cause of it to be able to then reframe it as something else and then use that actually as an opportunity to uh, empower us to overcome it versus preventing us from getting there. Yeah. When you talk about, like you've used the word limits a number of times today, uh, what does it mean to redefine limits? Like just in, in basic terms, what, what are we trying to do? Is it, is it what you're touching on there is like this reprogramming of the brain or is it something more, uh, um, does, does it involve others? What, what's been your experience around how do we help redefine limits? Yeah, so it, it, in my mind, a limit is, is something that is an, when we get close to touching on an unknown that we've never done before. So like to use paragliding as an example, most people would probably be terrified, myself included, when I was starting paragliding to take the leap off the mountain for the first time, even if it's with a tandem pilot and you're not actually flying, just like tandem skydiving, someone else is controlling you. <laughs> that first step is terrifying. And then you go in the process of learning it because afterwards you land and you're like, that was the most amazing thing ever. I want to learn how to do this. And then your very first time launching yourself is gonna be also terrifying. But then you push through that and you're like, oh, well, that was actually pretty okay. And then you do something more advanced, like your next time practicing a more advanced maneuver, like a spiral or you know, wing overs or full stalls or any of these things that um, you know, change the way your glider's flying. That gets really scary the first time you do it. And then you do that a few hundred times and then you start to feel comfortable with it. So that limit tends to be the edge of what we have experience with, which is also what we're comfortable with. And once we start to get experience in that and we have the courage to push through that unknown environment, then we can redefine that limit as a next step. So it's really just the growth process of trying something new, the learning process of learning that we have the ability to do that. And then the um, kind of the overcoming fear process of teaching our brain that we actually do have the capability to do something. We shouldn't be scared of it and then reset that limit as something higher. It just I'm just sitting there thinking about what it would be like. And I can visualize this strongly enough that I can make my hands sweat a little bit. I can make my pulse go up a little bit thinking about standing on the edge of a cliff, holding on to a wing, essentially, and laying out there and taking that that plunge. It's just terrifying to me and yet kind of exhilarating at the same time. It sounds amazing. There's there's probably a very low chance, probably almost a zero chance that I would ever do it by myself. Right. I would want to have somebody else there. I would want to have somebody like you who's done it a thousand times or maybe 10,000 times to say, okay, here's what it's going to be like. And you're going to walk me through it and just do what I do kind of thing to give me that confidence. Like to me, that's one of the things when you redefine some of those limits is you've got somebody like you, who's like the, the guru, the sage, the guide to lead me through it gives me confidence. Doesn't it? Has that been your experience? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, have you, I'm sure you've heard of the concept of the hero's journey. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, so for, for anyone who, who hasn't heard of that, um, it's pretty much the plot of every epic movie you've ever seen. Uh, there's, there's someone that's facing a big challenge, and yep. they can't overcome that challenge, and they have some type of mentor that helps them to realize they can't overcome it or gives them the tools and the experience to do it. Then they overcome the challenge, and they're a new person on the other side. So a big component of that whole story, that hero's journey arc, is the guide. It's the Yoda of the Luke Skywalker, teaching you how to use the Force. So just like in paragliding, no one's going to grab a paraglider and just go jump off a mountain. Not saying it hasn't been done before, but most people don't. Uh, you have to have that guide, that person to show you how it works uh, and teach you to start having uh, faith in this piece of fabric connected to a bunch of little strings that are holding your life in the air. Uh, teaching you how to use that, how to be comfortable with that, and how to make that an extension of yourself and your abilities to do something that biologically we're not capable of doing, like flying. So that, that guide, that mentor piece is extremely important as well. Um, you know, both in the office space, whenever you start a new company, having a mentor to help guide you into that role, or when you're going through a challenge-based adventure experience, like crossing the crevasse, having one of our facilitators, a mountaineer who's actually been on Everest, tell you like, you've got this, you can do it. Here are some of the mental techniques that I used when I was actually out there and help guide you with the tools and the resources you need to, to be successful instead of just throwing you in the deep end yourself. So yeah, that guide is a big I'm just. I'm sitting here thinking about, um, you know, being in one of those trainings and going through these experiences with you that your company is leading. What, what are some of the outcomes? Like what have, what have been some of the things that people have told you after they've experienced, or maybe it's some um, a few months later and, and they're, they're, you're still getting like those emails or whatever it might be that said, you, you broke us out of the mold. Like you took us to a next level. Are you hearing some of those things? And like, can you share some of those? Yeah, so uh, the outcomes are, um, you know, obviously why we do what we do. Um, we, we want people to not just have a cool experience um, and not just something that's fun, a way to connect with others, but something that creates a memorable change. And that's really where the psychology says experiential learning is the most powerful type of learning in, in the sense of creating really strong, sticky changes. Of course, no change lasts forever. You can't go to the gym once and expect to you know, keep those results forever. Uh, even if you train super hard for an ultra marathon and you do the Leadville 100 ultra marathon race you know, one year, five years later, you're not going to, if you stop running for five years, it's going to all go away. So, so everything takes... Uh, recurring dedication, um, including this. But of course, the outcomes um, are are really well aligned with what a lot of companies are really struggling to provide right now in the sense of creating a more innovative team, a more connected team, um, uh, a team that's more willing to be vulnerable uh, with each other about the challenges that they're pushing through. Um, and one that has the mindset to be able to overcome those challenges. So I imagine it breaks down some pretty significant barriers because there's differences that people sure. have. We communicate differently and different paces. We think differently and in all of those things. And so on a, I'm just thinking about on a team, it has to build or strengthen relationships, even those that are kind of on the kind of on the fringe of not being very good relationships. It, that has to happen. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the, the easiest way to build a powerful relationship between two people is to throw them in some type of challenging, uncomfortable situation and have them figure out some kind of problem. Yeah. Uh, and that's just, you know, biologically the way that evolution has instilled this, you know, way of connecting amongst two people. Um, it's, uh, you know, sort of forced into how we evolved as humans of you have to work together to overcome some challenge and if you don't you could die if you're facing you know a tiger you know thousands of years ago and you don't work with the people around you to to overcome that challenge um so it it not only creates really powerful connections but it also helps people sort of reframe uh that person in their mind so like even people that they may have not really liked um prior uh oftentimes comes from just a lack of understanding that person and then putting someone in a situation where you're sort of forced to really get real and be vulnerable and work together um it, it just has this really powerful psychological effect of this kind of reset and understanding that person uh what their objectives are what their personality is like um and connecting on a deeper level uh, of course not always but but that's definitely the most powerful way to connect uh on a on a human uh, psychological basis, overcoming some type of challenge, being willing to be vulnerable with that challenge, uh, and working together to uh, accomplish the challenge. I assume that some of the fears that, that people experience or some of the, the anxiety, the stress that they actually feel during this could could potentially put somebody, you know, could put tears in their eyes, I, I, I would assume. Maybe out of Absolutely. those fear, and then maybe it turns to tears of success and joy and accomplishment after they're done. But if, if you're at odds with somebody else on the team, and I don't mean at odds like you can't stand that person, but like you just don't work together very well, and then after going through this, you saw their their other side that you never get to see, you, you definitely have to be in, increasing like that relationship. It has to be building beyond that. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, there's this one story of, uh, so, so we used to do both in-person and virtual experiences. Uh, of course, when we first got started, before we built anything in virtual reality, we tested whether these you know, experiential learning challenges for teams worked by doing real life adventures. And we had one in particular where uh, we did a rappelling experience, one where you're starting on the top of a rock wall and you go, you go down. So physically, super easy, going with gravity, zero skills required, but it has a massive mental barrier of that fear of heights. You're literally standing on the edge yeah. of the cliff, walking backwards with you know, a rope being the only thing attaching you to any type of um, uh, you know, structure. Uh, and then of course your feet on, on the rock wall. And there was, there was one employee who was absolutely terrified of heights. Uh, their, um, their, their boss did not tell them what they were doing. And when they got there, it was a surprise. And she immediately said, this is awesome, but I can't do it. I'm going to watch you guys and be there to support because I'm definitely afraid of heights. And then as we kind of went through the intro, um, you know, the opener, the explanation of what we're doing, but also more importantly, why we're doing it. And we, we got up to the rock wall. Um, She'd had a chance to talk to a couple people on the hike, and I think they gave her a little bit of encouragement. And, and she said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I just got to get this over with. I'm going to go first. And the whole team cheered her on, and she got to the bottom. And I think she did literally have tears in her eyes, actually. Probably more tears of, like, fear at that point. Sure. <laughs> um, but then at the end of the experience, she shared this really amazing um, you know, statement in the debrief that uh, her whole life uh, she's been – you know, sort of held back and defined by what she thought she couldn't do. And this experience showed her that she can reframe those challenges um, and overcome things she didn't think she could overcome. And 
just had this really powerful, uh, I think she was also had tears in her eyes again at that point. It's a really powerful statement that, that I I heard from the the boss later on that he said, um, uh, you know, whenever they would have team meetings, uh, and they'd have some type of really big challenge in front of them, he'd be like, you know, we need a moment like that where someone steps up, gets outside of their comfort zone, and just charges into the unknown, even though it's the thing that terrifies them the most, and like use that kind of as their like rallying cry in future meetings. So it's a really powerful um, story to, to see. That is a great story. I love it. I love it. I, I just kind of like to transition a little bit and have you talk a little bit about some of overcoming your own limitations. So you, you've alluded to it. You've done some, um, what do we call these, ultra marathons, or do we call them, what's the right word for some of the uh, high endurance events that you've participated in? Uh, yeah, yeah. So different for different types of things. Uh, I've only done one ultra marathon before. Okay. I like running. I'm just not a huge runner, uh, so I don't know if I'll continue doing too much of that. But but one thing that's a bit of a variation from that uh, is hike and fly paragliding races, uh, which I just did my first one, uh, my first official one, uh, a couple weeks ago. It's one of the first in the U.S. Um, for anyone who, who doesn't know what hike and fly paragliding is, just Google or go on Instagram and type in Red Bull X Alps, like the Alps mountain chain, but with the letter X in front of it. Uh, that's the most intense adventure race in the world. Not just the most intense hike and fly paragliding race, like the most intense adventure race, hands down, that exists in the world where you have two modes of approved transportation. You can hike and you can paraglide. And of course, with paragliding, you don't have a motor, so it's very strategic. You have to you have to use your understanding of the weather and the environment to try and stay in the air as, as long as you can. But when you can't stay in the air anymore, you land wherever you can find open space to land. Hopefully, not in a tree or on a road, but you know it happens sometimes. And then you pack up your stuff into this backpack and you hike back up a mountain and try and fly again. And the goal is to get 2,000 kilometers around the Alps mountain chain. And they have 10 days to do it, like 25 pilots who race. (laughs) And you can hike and you can fly, and the first person at the end wins. So this is this is like the most intense one in the world, and they just started a version of this in the United States, which was much less intense. But the pilot from the United States who competed in the X Alps is the one who's putting it on, a guy named Gavin McClurg. Uh, and that just happened a few weeks ago. And um, just some of these amazing endurance athletes and incredible paragliders from all over the world came out uh, to be a part of it. And um, that was a super cool experience, very humbling for me as well. Uh, to realize that I need to be better at flying so I don't have to hike as much. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's cool. So, so what are the, some of the things that are going through your mind when you're, when you're having to push past your own limits? Like what's the self-talk that you have that maybe you have like this, this resiliency, this grit or this determination that some people maybe lack or it's there but they don't know how to tap into it? What, what can you tell people about what it takes to push back like those perceived limits that you have? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, as with everything, um, I think a lot, a lot of things in both, you know, athletics and in leadership development in life, um, you know, happen in, in baby steps. Of course, you can't go from zero to 100 all at once. Uh, so just being um, willing to put in the dedication and the time to put in the training to take that, you know, step by step by step. But, but also, like, for instance, this paragliding hike and fly race, um, there was one of the days where, um, 
I ended up uh, having to land like way before everyone else because uh, I took a risk and, and went to, you know, went down this part of the mountain that no one else was going down because I saw some things happening that I thought would create some thermic lift there and there was not any lift there and I ended up having to land while seeing everyone else in the sky uh, and knowing that I had to hike back up this mountain uh, and I would be at uh, at least, uh, you know, two, three, four hour disadvantage because um, I'd hike back up the mountain. Um, but uh, just, you know, taking it one step at a time and not letting, uh, not letting that, you know, voice of um, kind of pessimism get you of saying, well, you should just give up. Uh, you should, you're, you're too far behind. You can't do it. Uh, just really trying your best to ignore those things and uh, keep pushing through no matter what. Um, like even on that day when I was hiking back up the mountain, you don't really go up a trail, it's in Utah, so you just sort of go straight up the mountain. There's, you can easily bushwhack through the forest there. Uh, and almost stepped on this you know, massive snake while hiking up and <laughs> you just gotta- <laughs> Which is another fear, uh, right? Take for one some step people. at a time, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Exactly. Such cool stories. It would be fun just to have a beer with you and just learn about those things and, and all the cool experiences you have. Uh, as we wind down here, I always want to give you a, an opportunity to just talk about how to contact you, how to learn more about your company, and um, maybe just also touch on the type of people that you serve through Vestigo. Yeah, for sure. Well, definitely reach out for anyone who's interested in talking more about you know adventure, uh, team development, uh, the combination of the two, virtual reality. I always love chatting with amazing people with similar passions. Uh, and you can reach out um, on email, so marshall at vestigo.co, uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook uh, at Marshall Mosher. Uh, marshall with two L's and then M-O-S-H-E-R. Feel free to shoot me a message happy to connect with anyone. And uh, in terms of the teams we usually work with, so since we are um, fully virtual reality based, uh, teams that are investing or thinking about investing in buying their team VR headsets for remote work are definitely the companies that um, are having the, the most um, you know, beneficial outcomes with us. Like I mentioned before, doing these types of sessions on a recurring basis is definitely where the, uh, the real results lie. But for companies that don't have VR, we, we can ship out uh, headsets to all the employees to go through like a one-off type experience. Um, but it, it tends to just be that more of like a fun one-off experience where everyone usually gets a first introduction to virtual reality. It's super cool. Everyone has a blast with it. But teams that are really serious about empowering uh, their team, especially for remote work, companies that have remote employees, whether it's a hybrid or a fully remote approach, highly consider, I, I really highly um, urge everyone to consider investing in a virtual reality headset for remote work, not just for team building and leadership development, but also for virtual meetings, virtual office space. Um, you can really do a incredibly large amount of uh, amazing things with a $300 headset, um, the Oculus Quest 2, that uh, people just don't really realize how amazing it is and, until they put it on and try it. Um, well, it's it's certainly the wave of, of the way business is going. Uh, the the Everything that's happened over the past couple of years has completely redefined how people are doing things. And so it's awesome to hear like innovation coming around like this. And then just not not just as like a kind of a shiny new thing to, to get excited about, but something that's probably going to stick and it has some lasting benefit from it. So it's, you're on the cutting edge. That's really cool to hear. 
Thanks. Yeah, I really think that VR is going to be the next generation of computing, just like you know, smartphones were to computers, and and uh, virtual reality is going to revolutionize the world. Um, it's essentially a, a teleporting device. Uh, without having to physically teleport someone, you can teleport the feeling of actually being there together in person. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all your success, all the fun and cool, exciting things in, in the adventure world that you're doing. I hope you have a great day paragliding over there in Costa Rica. That just sounds incredible to me. I'm sitting in uh, the Midwest in a, in a sweater right now, so it's a, it's a chilly day. <laughs> but uh, I'll send you a video. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Well, take care, Marshall. It's been great meeting you. And... Um, uh, our listeners, check out Marshall's uh, contact information, follow him on those social media places, connect with him on LinkedIn, and uh, uh, it'll be really fascinating, I'm sure. So thanks again, Marshall. Thanks so much for having me on, James. Always a pleasure. You bet. We'll catch you next time on Lead to Values.